1: Wow. Yay! Yay! Yeah, yes.
2: Good Saturday, everybody.
1: Good Saturday. Or, it's going to be a good. If it's not, already, or whatever day it you listen is, to us, it's about to get really good, because today we have one of our favorite people joining us, Gay Hendricks. Um, he is. Uh, how do we describe Gay? Uh, he's kind of our. Per- well, we are. We're in love with Gay Hendrix. Yeah, we kind of are. And uh, he's as close to Robbie's ever going to get to um, therapy. Oh. Because it, every time you mention the word therapy to Robbie, he goes screaming. That is so not true. Certainly. Um, he's become a little bit of our personal guru. Would you say that?
2: He doesn't know it yet. But yes, he, he kind of is because we refer to him
1: a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's seriously, Robbie does not read self-improvement oh, books. Oh, okay.
2: Oh, my God.
1: If you say the word self-improvement, self-help, Personal growth, Robbie goes screaming. He goes running, screaming with his hair on fire. No, it doesn't really sound like that. It sounds like... I, uh... No, it doesn't sound like that either. That's what does where it I do sound my best like thinking.
2: When...
1: Uh... What does it sound like when you go running, screaming with your hair on fire? No!
2: Come on! Really? Screaming? I, 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 screaming, screaming uh, oh, goes... oh, you mean like... Yes! Oh!
1: Does that really sound Thank like you. Jesus, you had to flush the toilet, you had to fart. Well, this is what, you know. Okay, well, so we'll let's do. talk about what we're going to do today. Okay? Let's talk about what we're going to talk about. And
2: Anonymous. We're gonna, we're, Anonymous. <laughs> okay.
1: We're going to, yeah, okay. him too. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about negative thinking. Really? We're going to talk about self-sabotage. Yeah, that's good. We're going to talk about upper limit problems. Hmm. And we're going to talk about how to let all that shit go.
2: I saw that that was the title of our show this week. Yeah. um, Is there
1: any better way to say it? I mean, come on.
2: But it's so important because we keep so much of that in, and it occupies so much of our brain and our heart and things that we really shouldn't have in our system, and I think it really clouds our judgment, it clouds our ability to to make good decisions, and um, it keeps us from soaring.
1: It's, I speak for myself here, I'm going to read a few of these things, what we're going to do today, and what we're going to address, because it's me, it kind of, I'm guilty of all of these things, and we're, hopefully by the end of this hour, um, we will help you let that shit go, starting with Ha, ha, recognizing a negative thought. How to stop a negative thought in a split second? Okay. Do you do you, can you do that? Can you
0: yes. identify?
1: Can you acknowledge your the negative thinking in a split second? I'm starting to now.
2: Oh, I'm really learning how to starting right now. Go. Okay. Yes.
1: Seriously, I, that's part of it. You're not really yourself. No. Yes, I am. Yes, yeah. I am. Yes, I am. I'm really getting okay. much better at stopping my negative thoughts in a split second.
2: Okay. I. Look forward to those times.
1: Okay. We, and also there's an, another part of that in that thinking positive thoughts can actually work against you. Okay. Which is kind of um, contrary to what you would think, but, but Gay's going to, you know, break that down for us. Um, we're going to help you start living life on your own terms rather than based on what other people think of you. OMG. Okay. Who doesn't do that? Because if you're living like that, you're not living. You're not living your life if you keep living for other people or living based on what other people think of you. I've done that. I do that.
2: You do that, yes.
1: Do you do that? And of course, you You don't. You're perfect.
2: I, no, I'm not. But I, I do find myself doing that occasionally. But I can snap myself out of it. Well,
1: aren't you special? We don't
2: have to care what other people think, you know? it's not. It shouldn't be a motivating thing in our lives to worry about how we are perceived by others
1: intellectually you say that and that's true but try telling that to the people who can't stop themselves from doing that it's a really hard don't look at me like that <laughs> it's hard it's it's a hard habit to break mm-hmm. okay especially those of us who kind of are a little bit of people pleasers and uh approval seekers what's that guy doing me that's right. It has nothing to do with you because you are perfect and the least neurotic person I've ever met in my life. Okay.
2: I accept.
1: We are going to help you break the habit of rehashing your past, which, by the way, is an addiction that keeps your genius at bay.
2: Okay. That's a really important part of, of the Rehashing the
1: book. your past. Do you do that?
2: Uh not really, <laughs> because what, I, what's, what's to rehash? Oh, my God. Why, why, why don't I rehash? I, I enjoy, uh, you know, relishing in the present.
1: Man, I married the right guy.
2: I, I'm wondering if I did. <laughs> uh,
1: we're going to help you escape the excellence trap that keeps highly competent people from stepping into their true purpose.
2: Okay, that's quite a task we have uh, built up for today, are
1: uh, I, I'm starting to feel like it's oh no. A punch list. <sighs> okay, and yeah. you know what? We're gonna uh, help you recognize whether you're in a relationship based in fear, and we're gonna help you trade it in for one where you're both living fully in your genius. Okay. Okay. I, I you know who doesn't live in fear at some point in life?
2: Yes. So, uh, well, yes, and I think uh, you know one of the great things about reading writings is that uh, he is not afraid to tackle some, sub, some subconscious things that we all encounter, and uh, you know one of the overriding things I I find when I'm reading his his, his words are you know how much. Of our lives, do we control, and how much do we not control, and why do we spend so much time trying to control the uncontrollable?
1: Well, that's what—that's the point he makes in his new book, *The Joy of Genius*, which we both have read, and the whole uh, notion—it's it's not, coming out. It's coming out so Of uh, yeah, of constant or focusing on the stuff that you can't control does not make you happy. Yep. Uh, and once you let that go, once you stop needing that compulsive need to control the stuff that you don't can't control that will set you free and will liberate you and i have a hard time with that you know i'll be really honest i have a hard time with all of these things so i can personally speak of my own experience with all this this really this book and the big leap um really spoke to me and um it kind of blew my mind I mean, the big leap blew my mind. Yeah, me too. It, I don't think there's a day that goes by that I don't think about. I stop myself, okay? I said stop a negative thought, right? Do you catch yourself? I catch myself now um, thinking about my upper limit problems. And for those of you who don't know what an upper limit problem is, uh, that's in the, in the big leap. And that is really... Um, how would you how would you describe it? Self sabotage.
2: Being successful in many areas of your life, but finding that you are still hitting a wall in some areas, and you are not able to achieve the same level of success in an important area that uh, you are able to achieve in others. So I think that's. Something. I mean,
1: I just find the whole concept of self sabotage so fascinating because it's people people who even are super successful um, self sabotage. And why and why? What is it? What is in them that feels unworthy or or not just deserving of success? Or in our case, for this purpose of this show, love. What is in what's in people uh, that makes them feel that they're unworthy of healthy relationships or a solid partnership or um, just, you know, dating just the right making good choices in love? I would love to get to the bottom of that because I find that really interesting. Having having been that person,
2: of course you have because you're. Uh, you know. <laughs> uh, no, we've. I, uh, of course, I have, and um, you know, this is a journey, honey. I mean, I it's think there's. A, a, oh, sorry, sorry, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's okay. I'm, no, please. It's always more important when you interrupt. <laughs> Continue. No, 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 uh, go, go, go. No, I'm saying that this is a journey. We are not perfect. We are quite imperfect. And uh, you have to embrace the imperfections. And uh, we find ourselves, you know, loaded with insecurities. And it's okay to address them. It's just that some experiences uh, I have not had because uh, my upbringing was a little different than yours. And uh, so I, I I am secure in areas where you may not be. And there may be, uh, you know, areas that I'm insecure that you, you may not be. So that's okay. uh, That's all. That and that's
1: what makes this a great partnership. Mm -hmm. And just for the record, people, Robbie is a fantastic partner to me because, because even Cal Worthington thinks so. (laughs) Um, Was that Cal Worthington? No, that who
2: was that? (laughs) That was Earl (laughs) 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 Shy, who will still paint any car for 1995.
1: Uh, I happen to be one of the more neurotic people. Right. Uh, and as we say in Yiddish, I do have my share of uh, Mishagas.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, it's kind of great to have a guy who balances you out and is, um, provides s- stability and, and sanity and logic. But sometimes I will say that have, you know, like times like this where I realize, holy shit, I'm am I the only one that feels all this stuff? And, you know, I make fun of you saying that you're perfect, but,
2: you, you, know, you, you know,
1: you're you're great in you, helping me through stuff.
2: I think you sometimes are I wish
1: of... you were more fucked up.
2: Oh, OK, well, I'll, I'll try
1: <laughs> or a little, uh, little more nutty.
2: You probably are the only person that thinks that I am as, um, you know, OK as I as you think I am. And I love you for that. Thank you.
1: Well, I I think that you you are you're one of the lucky ones. I I really res, I admire your ability not to be nuts. Uh,
2: okay. I don't well, know how you do that. It, you know, I I
1: I swear, I almost I'm envious.
2: I don't let nutty things make me nuttier, and that's something that you know we are working on with you, okay. <laughs> because I, you are. You know there's a lot of nut nutty things going on around you, and we have to kinda, I mean, you
1: have your thing. Don't oh, get me wrong,
2: well, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay? But
2: yeah.
1: uh, but for the most part, um,
2: you're you. pretty,
1: you're pretty, you know. Sane. Okay.
2: Well, that's uh, you know I, I appreciate hearing that, and uh, I'm glad you're that you're pretty I'm, not nuts. I'm glad that I'm hiding <laughs> it enough from you that you can't see those insane moments of my life too much. But um, I share those with you. Though. Well,
1: you know what's the old saying? The nuts, not not the nuts. The rocks <laughs> in her head fit the holes in his, or something like oh, that. I haven't heard that, but okay. Okay, that's how we that's how we roll over here.
2: Okay, so we are uh, going to our first break. And none too soon, because uh, we will come back and and bring Gay Hendricks on and looking forward to that. So we will be right back
0: now, back to Dunn being single with dating badasses Trevor and Robbie Sharp,
1: all right. ok. We're back. Yes, and we're bringing on the big guns,
2: okay,
1: okay. The gun, yeah. Um he is our personal guru, pretty much, right? Well, ok. Sure. he's the family hero. he's he's, we love him. We want to marry him. <laughs> we want to, move to him. we want to move to Utah and... He's not in Utah, is he? No, but no. that's where we can all get married. Oh, geez. Okay. So um, here he is, Gay Hendricks. I want to tell you about him. He has been a leader in the fields of relationship transformation and mind-body transformation for more than 45 years. After earning his Ph.D. from Stanford in 1974... Gay served as professor of counseling psychology at the University of Colorado for 21 years. He has written more than 40 books, including bestsellers such as Five Wishes, The Big Leap, Conscious Loving, and Conscious Loving Ever After, the last two co-authored with his co-author and mate for more than 35 years, Dr. Kathleen Hendricks, who they just celebrated their 37th anniversary. That is, yeah. um, his latest book, The Joy of Genius, shows how to eliminate negative thinking and bring forth true creativity. Gay has appeared on more than 500 radio and t- TV shows, including Oprah, CNN, CNBC, 48 Hours, and others. Let us have a round of applause for our returning champ. Gay
3: Gay Hendricks. Gay Hendricks. Welcome. (laughs) That was light applause. (laughs) Uh, Thank you you so much. That was that was such a warm-hearted, spontaneous round of applause. I feel really moved by that. We have to get those people out of the audience now.
1: Yeah, we brought a bunch of people in from the street. Okay, get out, everybody. Okay. (laughs) So, my first question is, what the hell is
2: wrong with me?
3: And that'll take. Oh about boy, hours. you got! I, I think we've only got an hour show. I yeah. would need five or six hours if I wanted to get oh, into that. This is why I love gay. Uh,
1: no, I'm <laughs> half kidding. I'm half kidding with that question. But I, I want to start off with the negative. question about negative thinking. Is that okay? Sure. Right. So um, I want to know. Okay, because this is this pertains to me. How do you end? Because it's all about me, of course. How do you end your negative thinking if you've been addicted to it all your life?
3: Mm, well, that means you're in a very special position because anytime you catch yourself having a negative thought, that's an open doorway to your genius. And what I mean by that is anytime you you see something negative go through your mind, like, oh, why am I doing that again? Or why is Robbie doing that again? Or any kind of negative thought, what's happening there is it's a Open invitation for you to make what I call the genius move in that moment and spring yourself free from your negative thinking and open up a new window of possibility in yourself. So getting a negative thought is actually a good thing. I don't want anybody to resist their negative thoughts. I just want you to learn from them because if there's, if you can catch them in a certain way and do what I recommend in the book, then you Eliminate them gradually over time and open up a lot new, of new space for your genius to emerge. And one of the things that I want everybody to consider, whether they read the book or not, is how can I spend the majority of my time doing what I most love to do while making my greatest contribution to the world? I think that's a question that every human being needs to open up to in order to bring forth their true genius. And as I move around the world, it, we need a lot of genius these days in the world. We're we're getting up to a point in uh, human development where if we don't come up with some genius moves really fast, we're in serious trouble. Yeah. Well,
2: yes, we uh, agree, and uh, thank you for uh, spinning it in such a manner so that Trevor now feels that. Uh, She's that much closer, closer to her genius by the amount of negative thoughts that she has. So, yeah, she's uh, quite relieved. So now we just have to kind of bridge that. And uh, I think I, my first question, Gay, is related in that uh, controlling the uncontrollable, uh, that's a big part of uh, the new book. And uh, why do we – and I will say we and not put it on you, honey, because I love you and it's, it's about us – not just you, how do we keep ourselves from trying to control things we have no control over?
3: I'll give you a recent example. Um, Katie and I just went down to LA last night. We live normally about 90 minutes north of Los Angeles in a little mountain valley called Ojai. And we had tickets last night to go see Moby and the la symphony at disney concert hall which we've been to many times and we were very excited about it and we we're uh, as you mentioned celebrating our 37th anniversary so this was part of our anniversary celebration congratulations and so again. we That's took beautiful. oh thank you so much yes um and so we took off and instead of a 90 minute drive friday night traffic became a two hour and 30 minute drive and so um we came up against walls and walls of traffic and I, I started having the thought, Oh gosh, what if we're going to be late? And, you know, oh, what am I going to do if we get there? You know, the tickets were so expensive. Anyway, I came up against all of these little negative niggling little thoughts and I used my genius move on. them. I said, okay, do I have any control over this? No, not really. I mean, it's so many factors involved with traffic. The beautiful thing was, the moment we shifted out of being feeling hassled by the traffic, we got into this great conversation, and the rest of the time just flew by. We we got into this spontaneous conversation about just all the different things that are going on in life and things we want to do and things we want to do differently in the new year and uh, things like that. So... uh, I just want to illustrate how important it is to catch these negative thoughts because right underneath them is this new opportunity to break through to a whole new level of your own creativity. But also, last night, got to see again how the moment you let go of any kind of negative thought, you open up the possibility of intimacy with the person your wit. And so uh, that was our just our recent experience last night, and we got there right on time. We, In fact, we got there with 20 minutes to spare and Excellent. walked in and heard one of the best concerts of our lives. And so driving home, no traffic late last night because we were driving home at 11, 1130. And so we got home by uh, 1 a.m. and collapsed into bed, and here we are mm. feeling great today.
2: That's, that's a great story. So uh, if one person negativity is a little bit hard to get them to stop being that way. Is there um, a tip for the partner to try to get them to snap out of that?
3: Yeah, well, let me just um, talk to you man to man here. And that is the moment you stop trying to control your mate is the moment you walk into the foyer of heaven. Uh, So my suggestion would be to Use every attempt you, you think of to try to control her feelings or to control her thoughts or to control what she's doing or anything like that. Let go of that control. Let her be and watch what happens as a result of it. Put yourself on a fast of trying to control Treva or any other person. I did that 35 years ago. I spent the first year or so of my relationship with Katie um, You know, trying to control her, trying to make her more like me, which is is ridiculous. But um, you know, I come when I first met her. I was a university professor, very intellectual, that kind of thing, and she's a dance movement therapist, and it was like the odd couple getting together because um, you know she's very spontaneous and free and that kind of thing, and I was much more straight laced. And gradually, we've learned from each other over the years that uh, that. By not trying to control each other, we actually get to learn a lot from each other that can be really beneficial. So that's my big suggestion: is let go of controlling Trevor and watch what happens. Watch the oh. miracles that happen.
0: Okay. Well, okay. okay. That, that's
3: good. okay. Yes.
1: Okay. Let's just recap that. Okay. No, let's wait. just
2: review. You can listen to
3: it later. Okay. So now, foyer. <laughs> let's
1: just say. Let's just repeat the foyer. When uh, you stop controlling, you you enter the foyer of heaven. Okay. I love that. I heard that. I love it. Gay, how much do I owe you for no, saying no. that? Well, no, no. it
2: applies to both of us, even though he was talking man to man. But I think uh, my thing is to, it, without trying to control her, I wanna—I don't even want to steer her, but I want her to acknowledge that the negative negativity is still present, and how how can I help her get out of that without being controlling? I don't mean to be any a, a controlling person at all. I just want her to. Um, if she's still not ready to break out of the negativity, how, what's the best way for the partner to react and, and, and help it, her change? It's
3: exactly to, to let go of trying to want, uh, let go of being concerned with her negativity, to take the energy off that completely and to put it completely on, am I living in my own genius right now? Am I opening up to my full capacity for love? Am I opening up to my full ability to express my genius in the world? Those kinds of questions are so much more valuable to answer than anything that has to do with controlling Trevor or anyone else. Like, for example, do you remember where you met Treva? Uh, yes.
2: Okay. Where, where did you meet? We met. At her, we physically met at her fiftieth birthday party.
1: But we originally made contact on Facebook.
2: Yes, we did.
3: Uh huh. And in your first conversation with her, did she say some version of this? Did she say, "Robbie, I absolutely want to be in this relationship." So that you can control me and show me how to be a better person. I'd like you to take me on as your own personal improvement project. Did she mm-hmm. ask you that?
2: She still hasn't. So the answer is no. Okay, good. <laughs> Nor well, would I be. I, I probably wouldn't, it probably wouldn't uh, have yeah. worked with me if she did. So I would have been very suspicious of
3: that. Well, well that's exactly right. So she didn't ask you to be your personal improvement project. If she had, that would be fine to coach her and try to control her and that kind of thing. But since she hasn't asked you yet, that lets you know that she really probably isn't interested in that since it's been five years now and she hasn't asked you for it. So my suggestion would be to spend the next five years gradually letting go of any attempts to control each other and watch what happens, the miracles that unfold as a result.
1: You're very wise.
3: You are a wise Again, man. Again,
1: how much do I yes. pay you for that? Okay. <laughs> uh, you
3: can
2: just drop the check in the mail. Oh that, my that'll God. work. Okay. Uh, but we will pr- promote the shit out of your books. So uh, we have to yes. go to a break, our, our first break with Gay. But um, uh, any thoughts before we we do that? Honey? No, I have
1: just a ton more questions. A ton more
2: questions. So we don't want to ask a question right now because that would be... Uh, difficult for Gay to address before a break, so uh, we will go to a break right now and uh, come back with more of Gay Hendrix.
0: And now back to done being single with dating badasses Trevor and Robbie Sharp.
1: Okay, we are back. Boy, do you wish you had been a fly on the wall in between uh, during the break?
2: I wish I was a fly on the wall now. like <laughs> a I fly out of here. <laughs> uh,
1: okay. I, can I, I have a question. Uh, do you, you want to Go
2: ask? ahead. It's it's your show, too.
1: Okay. So I want to know, um, we know what fear of failure is, but can you explain what fear of success is?
3: Yes. Yeah. I worked with, um, especially back during the 80s and 90s, I did a lot of corporate consulting, especially for high-tech firms and like Dell Computer and Motorola and places like that. And um, I, that's where I got a lot of the ideas for the big leap, because I saw in working with top executives that even though they were functioning really at the highest level of the game, oftentimes they still did this thing that I call the upper limit problem, which they would get to a certain level of feeling good about themselves, and then they would do something to mess it up. And I thought, gosh, here are these people at the highest level of the game still doing that. It must be a particular human problem because, I, you know, I did work as a couples counselor with my wife also. We've been seeing couples since 1981. And so I noticed that in relationships, people would get to a certain level of intimacy and then they'd start an argument or have some kind of a a glitch happen that took them out of that flow of intimacy and got them back into um, arguments and things. So I started looking at what those fears were and I found that people have a much bigger fear of success than they do having a fear of failure. And what I mean by that is that if you look at your relationships or your look at your money life or your internal well-being, your feeling of good health inside yourself, you'll notice something that I did when I first started paying attention to this 30 or 40 years ago. I noticed that I would get to a certain level of feeling good inside and then I'd eat a bunch of things that made me not feel good inside. Or I would get to a certain level of flow of intimacy in the relationship I was in And then we do something to mess up that flow. And so I realized that I had this fear of things actually working well. And I asked myself, what am I really afraid of? And underneath that, I figured out that I was actually felt like some at some level inside, I didn't deserve love. And I I felt like I didn't deserve things going well for me. And, you know, there was all sorts of. I, childhood things that I could point to. I was born at a certain, in a certain way. My mother had just lost my father. He was he died unexpectedly at age 32, and so there was a lot of turmoil, <clears throat> turmoil when I was born. And so I know those things can have an effect on us, and I think some part of me must have figured out that I, for some reason, didn't deserve good things to happen to me. And so I kept upper limiting myself when good things would start to happen, I would find some way to sabotage myself. And so I think we all have to look underneath that and find out what it is I'm really afraid of. And some of us are afraid that there's something fundamentally wrong with us, that we don't deserve love. Some of us are afraid of outshining other people. That's one thing I point out in the big leap is how many of us have a big fear inside of outshining other people we don't we, we don't want to um, kind of break out it's like in Australia they have this thing called the tall poppy syndrome where they tell their kids don't be the tall poppy don't stick out above the crowd because the farmer will come along and cut the tall poppy off and so the same thing in Sweden we give lectures in Sweden sometimes and our translator will always say something like if there's one word you really want to understand in Swedish it's lagom. And we say, okay, what does that mean when we first went there? And what it means in Swedish is don't be too much, don't be too little. Don't stick out above the crowd, don't get below the crowd. Stay right in the middle of the pack and everything will work right. Well, you know, that's a good piece of advice at a certain point, but what if you do want to be the star of your own life? You know, then you've got all that negative programming sitting on you saying, don't be that way. And so um, we we found that everywhere in the world, not just in, uh, in Sweden and uh, Australia, but everywhere in the world. We've been around the world now 30-some times teaching our seminars and our, our, giving our lectures and that kind of thing. We found that whether we're in Bombay or Beverly Hills or the Bronx or wherever we are, people have that fear of going to their full level of potential or fear that something bad will happen to them. And you see that true, uh, particularly true in the area of genius, because like when I'll ask a crowd, I'll say, what's in the way of you really expressing your genius? Some people will stick up their hands and say, well, I don't know what my genius is. That's, that's one reason. But a lot of people will stick up their hand and say, you know, it sounds scary. Like when I was a kid, there was, I knew this mad genius that lived out on the edge of town and everybody would refer to him or her as this mad genius. And So it looked dangerous being a genius. Well, I want to just say that everybody's got a spark of your own unique genius inside. And our job as human beings is to bring it forth and welcome it into the world. And so it's really particularly true in the area of relationships, because what you want is two people supporting each other at being their absolute best. And instead, we often have two people kind of chipping away at each other and keeping themselves limited. Wow, great, great stuff. Uh, okay. And, I just,
1: you know, I'm sitting here listening to this and I remember something my mother told me when I was younger, when I was a teenager. She said, she used to say to me, don't be too funny or smart because you'll intimidate men and that's not good.
3: Uh, my wife got exactly the same message. Her mother, my wife is brilliant at things like math and science. And, but her brothers were both very scientifically in, uh, oriented, too, and she got a lot of messages about, you know, don't make them look bad, don't make higher scores in math than they made, and <laughs> things like that. Fortunately, she became a therapist, though, a dance therapist particularly, and, uh, and now joins me in our relationship work, but, uh, you know, those are hard things to get out from under, but... One thing I've learned particularly, and I talk about this a lot in the new book, The Joy of Genius, is the importance of commitment, that all personal change, all relationship change, all change in business, it all begins with somebody making a commitment, like with your genius, a simple commitment, like I commit to bringing forth my genius in ways that make me happy and make other people happy around me. So committing to bringing forth your own genius is an important step in making it happen because if you don't if you don't make a commitment you're just kind of wandering around not knowing exactly where to go and so all good things in life come as a result of some kind of heartfelt commitment
2: and you know it's funny because uh, my, I have two older sisters and uh, both brilliant in their own creative ways and completely different. But uh, my oldest sister is uh, 18 months older than the middle sister. And uh, my mom, when when my middle sister was born, uh, dressed them alike, you know, made them do the same things. And it, it kind of, you know, neutralized the brilliance of both of them by forcing them to be alike, almost like twins. And they were never twins. And they should never have been thought of as twins. And I don't know what my mom was thinking about the time. And uh, I think it's issues that they're probably both still dealing with today for for very different different reasons. And I think it affects it affect them for the rest of their lives. It, it does. And uh, so I was concerned about that.
1: I I have... Thought about that too, because I think that um, people feel hopeless. I think that I would love to tell people, and and game, you know, you can help me do this. Remind people, reassure people that they're not sol, just because they got negative messages growing up, that maybe they felt when they were younger that they weren't deserving or they were told they didn't, they weren't worthy or deserving. And now in adulthood, they, they're living that out or repeating it. And I, I want to believe that there's hope and that you can, you can prevail and you can conquer those, those feelings and, and achieve your genius.
3: I really appreciate you saying that Trevor, because that's one thing that everybody really needs to hear is that no matter what happened to you in the past, it, it, In a way, most of it can be wiped clean from your mind if you just realize that it wasn't intended for you personally. You know, like um, I have a, a client that I worked with, very brilliant woman, and yet the way she came into the world um, was in such a way that She got a lot of negative messages early on because um, her mother really, really wanted her, but her father really, really didn't want kids. So she was born into that atmosphere. So she got this mixed message uh, from one side, which is, I don't want you here, and The other side, I want you here. Now, this is all unconscious kind of stuff. They didn't come out with a printed sign and hand it to her that said, you're unwanted here, but she got that impression. And later on, she asked her dad, you know, why did you say that kind of thing to to me and my uh, sister? And her father, in a moment of really amazing honesty, said, well, you know what? I never even wanted children in the first place but your mom talked me into it and I just went (laughs) along with it and so now most things aren't that quite that extreme but we always have to realize wait a minute I don't need to take that personally because any kid would have gotten that kind of message it didn't have anything to do with me and so a lot of things that we take personally We don't really need to take personally because somebody else who was there, even if they had a different personality, would have gotten the same reaction. Just like if you'd grown up in the house next door to where you lived growing up, you would have gotten a different set of messages, you would have gotten a different food every night, you would have gotten a different bed to sleep in, but it would be a whole different kind of thing. And so I learned that, um, it took me a long time to figure it out, I was way up into my thirties or forties or somewhere back in there where I realized one day that a good many of the things that had been aimed at me were not even things that had to do with me personally. Somebody else would have experienced it at the same time. So that's one good thing to let yourself know when you find yourself feeling kind of hopeless inside.
2: Okay. Thanks. Uh, okay. I've got a, uh, an important question here and uh How can we stop giving power to those that no longer have any power over us? Yes.
3: Well, one thing to remember is that you have absolutely no control over the past. The past has already happened. Most of the things that have happened to us in the past, we don't even have any evidence that they happened anymore. Um, Like if somebody gave you a football for your sixth birthday and you still had the football, that would be evidence of that. But most of the things that happen to us, just we keep recreating in our mind. And you can turn off all that very quickly by realizing that, wait a minute, I don't have any control at all over my negative thoughts, my past thoughts. They're going to pop into my mind. So the best thing to do is just greet them, you know, like oh, hello there, but not put attention on them. Put your attention on the big question of what can I be doing this moment to open up the flow of love and creativity in my life? What can I be doing right this moment to create more love, creativity, and good feeling in myself? And that never has anything to do with anybody else or anything anybody else has to do.
2: It's great advice. What if this... What are the power that you're giving this person is a family member that or you know still thinks they have power? and what and the buttons are still getting pushed? How do we keep from these buttons from
3: bothering us? How
1: do we stop from getting triggered?
3: It's a process of like there's a Native American parable about um, grandfather was talking to his grandchildren and uh, they were asking him how to deal with the same kind of situation and he said well imagine one dog comes to your back door every day and and barks and barks and barks and another dog just kind of sits there quietly which one do you think is going to get the attention and so a lot of times we give attention to the barking dog in our lives and don't give attention to the quiet thing that's sitting in the background that's our own creativity and our own sense of well-being and our own ability to nurture ourselves. Uh, One of my clients uh, told me that her mother-in-law would get a little tipsy or drunk on Friday night and call her and berate her late at night and tell her she wasn't the daughter-in-law she really wanted. And... She regretted that her son had married her, and she would just say these abusive things to my client at 11 o'clock or 11.30 on a Friday night when my client was trying to go to sleep. And so I had a big question for her. I said, what makes you answer the phone? And she suddenly realized that, wait a minute, I don't even have to feed that barking dog. I can just let the phone go to voicemail and pick it up the next day. But for some reason, she she was so invested in that conversation that she would pick up the phone and listen to this garbage being thrown at her. And I suggested that she this time pick up the phone, but when the person got abusive with her, just gently hang it up and then not pick it up again. She only had to do that once, and it changed the behavior completely. And so I think people need to go a little radical if th- things like that have been persisting and ask themselves, well, you know, would I listen to some stranger call me up at 1130 on Friday night and tell me terrible things about myself? No, you wouldn't do that. You'd hang out. And so I think many of us treat our family members with, uh, uh, they, we put kind of special things where we take abuse from them that we wouldn't take from an ordinary citizen.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Um, okay, taking I'm taking. Notes. I am taking copious notes. Um, Gay, can you please tell our listeners or explain to our listeners why we always attract? And this is something you said in um, your book, The Joy of Genius. Why do we always attract unconsciously the very things we complain about?
3: Yes, what a great question. Thank you for asking that. That's one thing I'd love every human being on earth to to know about. What happens, Trevor, is that um, underneath that pattern is some fear or thing you're trying to complete. Like, for example, if you've been afraid of elevators since you were 10 years old or something like that, You'll keep putting yourself in situations where you need to ride an elevator until you get over that fear. And so any kind of what I call an incompletion inside, it's just like if you've got some hassle with a person, they'll keep coming into your mind over and over and over again until you deal with it. And so what happens is the reason we attract the things that we're most afraid of is Life is trying to give us one opportunity after another to complete that incompletion. One thing we say here is that almost all problems, whether it's a business problem with two executives or an executive team or whether it's a problem between a couple, a problem in a family, is that almost all problems can be solved in 10 minutes if both people are willing to solve the problem. But pay attention to that last thing because some people come here and sit down in our office and even though they may have flown from Germany or Australia or some faraway place to meet with us, oftentimes we'll find when we really sit down with them that they're not really committed to solving the problem, that they're not really com- committed to having the flow of positive energy. They're just programmed from the past to think that, intimacy involves exchanges of pain. So they inflict pain on each other. That's the way they've always seen it done, maybe growing up. And so that's what they think they're supposed to do. But one thing that you always have to do if there's a recycling problem of any kind is to find out, hmm, what am I trying to complete down here that would clear the slate and put me in a position where I can feel genuinely intimate with that other person or genuinely intimate with my own self. So I I hope that helps. But in other words, I'm asking you and asking people not to resist these kinds of things, but to say what's underneath them. What's the thing that's really trying to be completed here?
2: Hmm. Is it possible that there's a comfort zone in, in their complaining that, they don't want to lose that ability to have those complaints. So they're trying to find somebody that fits those complaints.
3: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, that's what happens is, you know, if, if uh, if one person, um, I am just trying to think of a a recent example of uh, from here in the office, I'm drawing a blank at the moment, but almost all of us have, um, Oh, okay. Let me give you a good recent example. So a person with, who's been widowed, who has a fear of losing their mate, gets together at midlife, 50 years old, 55 years old, let's say, with a person who is very um, controlling and clingy in a sense. And so what happens then is that person who's afraid of losing a mate suddenly has this other person all over them and, you know, trying to anticipate their ever, every mood and that kind of thing. And yet that causes more problems than they had before when they were single. And so we don't realize oftentimes that we, we dial up a mate from central casting who is just perfectly fit for the things that we need to learn how to do. And then a lot of people complain that the relationship isn't working well. Let me give you another, another example. We had one couple here who used to have these tremendous fights every couple of weeks. And they'd been doing it for something like, gosh, 12 or 13 years by the time they finally came in for a session. And so we asked them to look for what the payoff was. What are you getting out of this argument? And we learned the darndest thing we even gave it a name, they said they had the greatest sex after they would have these big blow-ups. And so we started calling it wargasms, having a wargasm, uh, that they the only way they knew how to have great sex was by creating all this uproar just before that and then having great mm-hmm. makeup sex. And so part of our work with them was learning how to eliminate that pattern so they got turned on by intimacy rather than fighting. And it, it takes a while. Once you make a switch like that, it probably took them the better part of six months or so of focusing on it to kind of turn off that old pattern and turn on the new pattern. But I'll tell you, <laughs> life works so much better. If, you know. It's like if you go to visit your friends and you announce you're there by throwing a bunch of bricks through the window. <laughs> well, that'll have an intimate conversation with, them, but there are better ways to do that. And so the same thing, there are better ways to have great sex than throwing bricks through your relationship.
2: Okay, boy, does that make a lot of sense?
1: I, I would say me to
2: take those bricks out of the bedroom.
1: Also, read The Joy of Genius. That'll okay. that'll help
2: your sex life uh, too. I think, Gay. Unfortunately, we have to wrap it up, but we could go on for another three weeks. Oh I think, my here. God! And this hey. is just so invaluable for us. Now, do you understand
1: why else. Else. you're a Sharf family favorite? Yes,
2: you are. We <laughs> can't get enough. We <laughs> well, can't okay, get well, enough I'll, of you. I'll so, Gay, it. when is when does The Joy of Genius come out? When is that released?
3: It's already released. It just came out, and the Kindle and the audio version are. Selling like hotcakes, as ah, is the brilliant. paperback, but we've run out of paperbacks. And oh so, um, if you want the paperback, go ahead and order it, and uh, you'll see that it'll tell you it'll take you a couple of weeks to get it. But if you have your uh, Kindle or your, you like to, uh, Read audiobooks. You can get that today. Just go to joyofgenius.com, and that will take you to all the places that sell the book, like Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and places like highly, that. So highly, highly recommended. the uh, right way, get the electronic version or the audio.
2: Yeah, this is uh, – oh, that would be great, too. This is highly recommended. Uh, you will not put it down, and, uh, and it will
3: change your life, and, and it will blow your reading. mind.
2: So, Gay, thank you so much. Congratulations to you and Katie on your 37th anniversary. That is a lovely thing to achieve. We are looking forward to our fifth, (laughs) hopefully, (laughs) uh, in May. And we can't thank you enough. And we look forward to having you and Katie back on soon as well. Thank you so much. So I hope everybody got a little bit of something out of this show because I know we did. All right. So thank you,
0: Gay. Thanks, everybody. uh, We'll see you next week.
1: We are done being single. Hopefully you are too.
0: See you next week on Done Being Single.